Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to experience the Gut Check Project, talking science, health, and innovation that you can actually use. But this isn't just another health show. No, no. We're here to have fun and make your time enjoyable. And you like to have fun, right? Well, while you are enjoying yourself, know that even though the GCP covers some health topics with healthcare pros, we are not your doctors. So use our show to entertain your mind and not for medical advice. And now, here are your hosts of the Gut Check Project, Dr. Ken Brown and Eric Rieger. Hello, KBMD Health Family and Gut Check Project fans. I'm your host, Eric Rieger, joined by this awesome doctor, Kenneth Brown. Ken, what's going on? What's going on, Eric? Today, well, this is kind of a an extension of an Instagram reel that we did. An when, Instagram reel. When we've, been shoot, we've been shooting a lot of reels, trying to put some information out there. One of them that I did that I only had like a minute to talk about mm-hmm. was supplements, scientifically backed supplements for fat loss. Okay. And we've gotten a lot of questions, a ton of interaction from that one. So I thought that we would just do a podcast on it because I had a lot more to say about it. And as it turns out, I find it super interesting. So if you want to geek out a little bit on this one, uh, if you're listening or watching the, and you want to understand a little bit of the science, that's where we're going to go today. I think that we should. And Paul reminded us what we need to tell all of the people who are listening and watching, whether you be on YouTube or Rumble, Hit the like button because apparently it allows us to be shared. And we just learned today that in the last couple of months, we've had over 50,000 downloads of our episodes. Yeah. I knew two other people that listened to our show. <laughs> and of course, the usual thing that we could use some likes, I guess, on on Apple Podcasts. We just want someone to like us. Yeah. That's all we're saying. I like so anyway, you. so let's get into it, Ken. So losing fat with Supplement. So that's the title of this podcast, but I want to give a little bit of background because it'll make sense going in. All right. Okay. So let's talk about some basic physiology, things like that. Okay. So you've always heard the term when people are trying to lose weight, everybody says it's just calories in, it's just calories out. Well, it's not quite that simple, but calories are merely a measure of energy. Mm-hmm. It's like saying seconds are merely a measure of time. It's the exact same basically just measurement. That's all it is. So when people start talking about the different types of calories, what calorie does this, because I've seen that all over the place, this is going to be, you know, it's going to cause more caloric absorption, blah, 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 all this other stuff. So let's talk about that really quick. So the bottom line is these calories are the energy in food. And this food gets converted to energy source called ATP. And then the ATP goes to your mitochondria, where your mitochondria uses it for cellular energy. Now, this being said, when you're trying to watch your weight or trying to lose weight or lose fat, it can be a little bit misleading because I learned something that food labels Mm -hmm. can be up to 20% off. Yeah. So if it says it's 100 calories, it could be 120 calories or it could be 80 calories. So keep that in mind. So be consistent when you're reading labels and looking at that. And then we have different components of calories, which make a difference, like fiber, especially indigestible fiber, Mm -hmm. actually is counted as a calorie, but you're really not absorbing that. And that is also something to keep in mind. Now, 50 to 70% of our daily caloric expenditure is from the resting metabolic rate, which you sitting right here, you're spending calories. Okay. You walking over here, you're spending calories. If you... Did anything else, you're spending calories. Sleeping, you're even spending calories. Sleeping. So sedentary people use less of their daily caloric allowance, while active people are going to use more. Now, a small portion of our calories 
actually go towards something called the thermic effect of food. That is the energy required to extract nutrients for food. There's a reason why I'm bringing all this up. So depending on your body's needs, the energy you expend to extract the calories from this food can range anywhere between 5 to 10% of your total daily caloric expenditure. But fats, you actually absorb like 90% of it. Okay. Carbohydrates, you can absorb similar to that. But protein, the thermic effect of the food, you can actually have 20 to 30% of a protein intake is actually used to break down the protein and absorb it. Okay. So if you've got uh, 100 calories of protein, it could be 70 calories after the thermogenic effect. So if you're trying to lose fat, the core principles of calories in and calories spent uh, are determined by many other factors. So this includes sleep, your exercise, the foods that you eat, all this stuff. What we're going to talk about is supplements. So this is assuming that you're already getting some amount of active exercise, some amount of proper sleep, and you're trying to eat a pretty decent diet. Okay. As we've always discussed, supplementing is to do that. You have your core. Now we're going to talk about what we can do to supplement that. Before we talk about the supplements, this is a really interesting thing because we're going to talk about fat loss. Did you know that your brain is directly connected to your fat? Uh, I assumed that it had to be. but So the brain uses neurochemicals, and they play a big role in fat loss. Mm -hmm. This is really important because this is where the supplements come in mind. So you're going to have to mobilize the fat, move it out, then you're going to have to oxidize it, break it down, which turns it into fatty acids, mm -hmm. which then your body can use. It gets all around your body, and then your cells can use these fatty acids as fuel. So they travel around, and then they are converted into ATP. As it turns out, adrenaline, also known as epinephrine, is released from the sympathetic nervous system and our adrenal glands. This is a hormone neurotransmitter, helps mobilize this fat for intense activity. The kicker is that nerves literally are in contact with fat cells, and when these nerves release epinephrine locally into fat cells, it actually helps break them down, helps mobilize it, and it also augments the oxidation of it, meaning that you can actually use it. Okay. Um, this was really kind of shown in different things like fidgeting. Have you ever seen people that fidget? Yeah, that or bounce their knee up and down or something like that. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's called non-exercise activity thermogenesis, otherwise mm -hmm. known as NEAT. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, this little bit of movement is a little hack that it stimulates the nerves to work locally on these fat cells, and you can burn quite a few calories doing that. Okay. A really good way to burn calories is to shiver, but you know how much I love the cold. You so hate the cold. I hate the cold. So <laughs> keep all these things in mind because this is where a lot of that science came from. And so if we can actually hack some of these different things, then maybe we can mobilize the fat. There's my basic science lesson. Any questions on that part? No. A lot of this makes uh, sense. Uh, the communication between how we store fat and utilize fat. Uh, obviously, fat is a storage of energy. Um, I found it kind of interesting that you said the unit of time being a second and the unit of food energy being a calorie and how calories in and calories out is really dumbing down the use of calories. It depends upon the type of food, your own activity. It's, I kind of almost immediately equated it to uh, amount of time spent doing a fun activity, could be <laughs> yeah. for one hour, or a hour spent in jail. 
probably not <laughs> the same, and one definitely feels longer than the other. Absolutely. So, yeah. there you I go. was thinking me in a cold plunge. Seconds seem to go on a lot longer. <laughs> All right, so now let's jump in. So that's the basic science because I'm going to reference this quite a bit when we're coming back to it. Okay. All right, so the first fat loss supplement might surprise you a little bit. Let's go for it. Protein. Makes sense. So protein is a key supplement because it basically supports fat loss in several different ways. First of all, you have you feel more full when you eat protein. So you have more satiety than carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily fats, but certainly with carbohydrates. Secondly, the digestion of protein burns more calories compared to carbohydrates due to that thermogenic effect on food. And then lastly, the conversion of excess dietary proteins into fat is extremely inefficient. Instead, it's more likely to be converted to energy um, basically stored as glycogen, that then your muscles can use that later as glucose. Sure. So protein is key here. Consuming enough protein also helps to preserve muscle mass, which is important since the goal is not to lose just weight, but to lose more fat than muscle. So overall, eating protein, whole foods is always better, so recommend it with a diet. But if you are not getting enough protein, then you can start supplementing. And recommendations for supplementation is pretty much protein powders. And if you're looking and saying, well, why not protein bars? Well, the energy extract or the ability to absorb more of these amino acids actually is easier with the protein powders. And you don't have any of the other bu bullshit. I forgot. I'm, I've been doing other people's podcasts. So I've been trying to watch my mouth. <laughs> you don't have to do that anymore. This is yours. I don't have to do it anymore. This is mine. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah, protein your bars. Show. Yeah. Uh, so protein bars. Also, I would even say that and I'm sure you may even get into it here in a moment, but protein powders are not all created equal either. Some of them have various sugars or sugar acids or alcohols that are blended in there that probably you want to avoid anyway, but I'll let you get to that. Yeah. So totally. So uh, not all protein powders created equal, but there is two major protein powders, which are recommended in most of the scientific literature. Okay. And that is whey protein and casein powders. Mm. Both of these are derived from milk protein. Mm -hmm. So if you are neither lactose intolerant nor vegan, then you want to look for a whey protein concentrate that is at least 80% protein. Okay. Okay. Whey protein is very cheap and very anabolic, meaning it really is good for building muscle. Missile or casein protein is more expensive and it's more anti-catabolic, so it's good for preserving the muscle that you have because it digests very slowly. So when you look at how these things are absorbed, whey protein in about an hour peaks. Mm -hmm. Casein protein just kind of sits like this. So I'm pretty sure in the bodybuilding community and such, you eat casein protein at night because it keeps the leucine level. Leucine is the amino acid that helps maintain and build muscle. Okay. And then the whey protein would be the pre and post workout protein. So you could take advantage of that. Interesting. So, uh, and both of those, whether casein or, or whey need to be a minimum 80%. Is that correct? It was 80%. Yes. Okay. Because you'll see different ratios of this. Okay. Uh, if you are vegan, you can still supplement with protein powders. There are two popular options. One is soy protein, which is a complete protein, and a 70 to 30 pita rice protein blend. That 70-30 blend has the almost identical amino acid profile similar to whey protein. So you can still supplement really good on a plant-based diet. Interesting. Okay, so how do you take this protein? 
So how much protein do you actually need? Now, this is interesting. Yeah, I'll quiz you on this. The, well, I'm kind of cheating a little bit because we had a conversation from a, a podcast that you and I listened to that Mike had shared. But um, I believe that the old thought was something like 1.2 grams per kilogram or something along this route. The RDA was, is like, and still is, is like 0.8 grams per kilogram. Yeah, That's I was actually the, going on the high side for someone yeah. who's super active, so 0. 0.8 or 0. 0. 0.6 to 0.8 is like the low side, which is, seems incredibly low. Yeah, they. Uh, if you look at that, that would be 0. 0.36 grams per pound. Yeah, exactly. So 0. 0.36 grams per pound is considered the minimum amount of protein a healthy adult needs to consume to prevent muscle wasting when total caloric intake is sufficient. Wow. So if you talk to Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, who's a specialist in protein, right. she's going to say that is not near enough. I would agree with her. Yeah. So our RDA is not what you should follow. New recommendation. So if you were to look at that, that would be like 75.6 grams a day for me, yeah. which sounds like a lot. But if you start showing, you know, like what you actually need, mm -hmm. it's not. Recent studies are describing that you should be having 0.68 grams to 1.23 grams per pound as the minimum daily intake for muscle to basically lose fat and gain muscle. So it seems contrary. You're like, wait, you're telling me to eat more to lose more fat. I mean, in that, that 1.23 comes out to something like, I'm just doing head math here, but at 2.2 pounds a kilogram, that now becomes about 2.8 grams a kilogram. That's significantly larger than what I said earlier. In fact, I've been trying to eat the upper end of this. Yeah. My protein intake. Uh-huh. And you end up just being full all the time. I think over the over the course of the day, I probably take in fewer calories mm -hmm. because I'm just like, whoa. So if I were to do 1.23 at my weight, that would be 258 grams a day of protein. If you're wondering what that is, it's pretty easy to do. I just have to eat four and a half 12 ounce ribeyes every day. It sounds good. <laughs> Four and a half. <laughs> yeah, it sounds delicious. Um, so, not to rile up our vegan friends. Every time we say anything about vegan, uh, I do get a few comments every single time. If you are vegan or get most of your protein from plants, your protein requirements may be higher because a lot of people on plant-based diets, if they're not doing their homework perfectly, may end up not getting enough protein because some of that protein is less bioavailable and the amino acid profile is different. So I'm just saying that, not my words. It's what's found Which in the literature. Yeah. So when to consume it would be 20 to 40 grams of protein within two hours preceding or following your workout to help stimulate muscle growth. Now, which one? So if you look at Consumer Labs, so I subscribe to Consumer Labs to look at testing. It's a third-party testing site. Right. And this is pretty awesome because NutriCost Whey Protein Isolate is the one that they most recommend. It passed all the, all the tests. It's what we have at our house. It's what me, Lucas, and Carla do all the time. So NutriCost, it's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty in, inexpensive considering and unfortunately, they did not do an analysis of a um, pea rice, the pea rice protein blend. So I don't have a recommendation on that one. But mm -hmm. I will, if, if you're watching this, and just go ahead and message us. I will find the perfect one for that as well. So 
when you add up the protein that someone eats in a day, and we are talking about supplements, is there a way for someone to consume enough protein throughout the day that they aren't strictly just eating the four ribeye? Because the total protein intake, it's not that we don't agree that animal protein has the most per pound or whatever, but plants offer some protein. I mean, there are, there oh, are proteins sure. and other sources yeah, I'm also. I'm not eating four and a half ribeyes. I'm just trying to paint the picture, yeah. you know, that, that someone who's eating a well-rounded meal is probably still getting at least the lower end of the minimum of protein they need in a day. For sure. So eating a well-balanced diet, you're going you're gonna to get close. I'm just pointing this out that when you start tracking it, chances are you're not getting in as much protein as you think. Sure, right. So, I agree. So that is our first supplement, which is kind of surprising because it's it's just protein. But protein is the one with the most science behind it to lose fat. Sure. All right. Number two, caffeine. Number two, caffeine as a supplement to help you lose fat. Yeah. So I'm calling it a supplement in the sense of it doesn't always have to be in a pill. Yeah. Oh, it's great. That's a great find. Just like the protein doesn't always have to be yeah. in a powder. Sure. You can do it with whole food also. Uh-huh. All right, what makes caffeine a fat loss supplement? Caffeine triggers the release of epinephrine, uh-huh. adrenaline, and dopamine. Now, caffeine has many beneficial effects. It's on energy, mood, and fat loss. And also, research has consistently shown that it seems to be uh, very good for exercise tolerance. Now, how does the caffeine do this? All comes back to that original part that we talked about with the brain connected to the fat. Mm-hmm. All right, so when you take in caffeine, you release adrenaline, epinephrine. The adrenaline binds to adrenergic receptors, specifically these receptors located on the surface of fat cells. This binding then triggers a cascade or a domino effect that leading to step two, it inhibits an enzyme called PDEs. Now these PDEs break down the, um, I'm sorry, the PDEs break down a molecule called CAMP, little C-A-M-P. So by blocking the enzyme that would normally destroy this, you're going to get higher levels of CAMP. Elevation of CAMP, this activates other receptors, which leads to the production of a molecule called CAMP. Very sciencey, I know, but This is what's interesting. The CAMP then activates another enzyme known as protein kinase, which turns on hormone-sensitive lipase. And then eventually, once that lipase hits, that's what starts breaking down the fat locally, releasing these fatty acids, going back to the original thing that I talked about, being able to be used as fuels. So this whole cascade, you're just drinking a cup of coffee. You're not thinking anything of it. You're actually having this kind of cool little cascade happening that is actually mobilizing this fat. Well, that sounds pretty interesting. I'm, the release of, of epinephrine itself, uh, I'm kind of curious. We, we, we've talked, we talked about this several episodes ago when we talked about methylxanthines. And the, the reason I bring this up is caffeine elicits these responses more readily than other substances because, if I remember correctly, it actually lowers the threshold of the amount of energy it takes for certain neurons to fire. And some of those could be uh, epinephrine or, or you know, any type of release, your muscle fibers. What it, what that ultimately means is that it requires less of 
scientifically an action potential or an impulse to make muscles move, to make things uh, like dopamine be released. So you have these hyper responses, which is what helps people perk up in the morning, that feeling. Well, that same thing, it seems like would translate to fat loss if it requires an engagement of energy from your brain to your fat to do the same thing. You're you said the uh, the activity of uh, cyclic AMP as it leads all the way down to lipase, which is an enzyme that breaks down fat. That makes sense to me. It's almost like you're getting there a little more quickly. Not that you wouldn't get there at all, but you're enabling your body to trigger this response a little more efficiently. I guess what I'm saying. That's exactly right. You actually, on the episode that we did that, you talked about the action potentials and how it lowered it and... You got even nerdier on that one. And so that was, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, nerdy in, in a good way. I'm not yeah. saying that. But no, that's exactly right. I'm, um, that was quite a while ago. Uh, and I'll reference that in a little bit. Uh-oh. Um, also, when these enzymes are inhibited, other compounds mm-hmm. which naturally increase the CAMP levels like yohimbine might become even synergistically more effective. With caffeine. Caffeine plus something else. So caffeine hits this. Yeah. And if you have something else that may hit this. But we'll get into that. Uh, Okay. All right. So how do you actually take caffeine? For healthy people, caffeine intake up to 400 milligrams a day doesn't really raise any health concerns. Some people are very caffeine sensitive. I'm just getting warmed up at 400 milligrams. So (laughs) I can handle quite a bit more. And it's amazing how how late in the day you can consume it and it has no effect. (laughs) I kind of burn through it pretty quick. So, (laughs) Um, But if you don't want to drink coffee or tea or things like that or drink it throughout the day, you can actually supplement with 100 to 200 milligrams twice a day. And this range can be consumed through coffee or tea supplementing with caffeine can be a little bit tricky because you can go overboard really quick. Sure. You want me to tell you a funny story about going overboard? I would love to hear a funny story about overboard. I was working with uh, CRNA Lori Smith one day. This is several years ago. (laughs) And at the time, I was uh, highly caffeinated on on something called Redline, which I found out later Redline is don't, don't. Don't do this unless you are absolutely caffeine blunted because she was like, I need to go work out. And I'm like, well, here, have one of my red lines on your way home. She called me the next day and she goes, so I got like halfway through that bottle and then just started like getting all jittery and then got super sick. I pulled over and threw up. What did you give me? I'm like, do you drink a lot of caffeine? She's like, no. I'm like, okay, that was bad, bad recommendation on my part. Drinking a drink like Redline makes me feel like that you skateboarded to work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that anymore. And like an eight-ounce bottle of Redline has 316 milligrams of caffeine. That means a little eight-ounce bottle. So It sounds yeah, like a lot. That's overdoing it. So you got to be real careful when you're doing these. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. You must have lost a lot of weight that day. Yeah. All right. So consuming <laughs> caffeine on an empty stomach can actually speed up the absorption, but it may also lead to some stomach upset. Hence, Lori throwing up. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's got its downsides. It can disrupt sleep. Um, and even if you fall asleep after caffeine consumption, which now I'm thinking that I'm probably not getting into the best deep waves of sleep, mm-hmm. even if you feel like you're sleeping there. So the average half-life of caffeine is about five to six hours. And here's a hack for you. If you can't afford the coffee that you want, mm-hmm. uh, let's say you can only afford the small Starbucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, as it turns out that if you smoke a bunch while you're doing it, you can double the absorption of caffeine. So smoke cigarettes. Mm, 
Yeah. So Heavy I'm, smoking can double the rate of caffeine metabolism. Sorry, caffeine metabolism. That means you'll get through it real quick. So if you do too much, uh-huh. just start, start smoking. smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a caffeine headache. I need a pack of smokes. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to metabolize it, if you're like, oh, I got the jitters. So anyways, I always thought it was funny because it was always smoking a coffee when everybody, you know. That makes sense. My my dad's mother, uh, she was she was awesome, but she was a typical, you know, country Texas, uh, grandmother. And, uh, she, she wasn't going to be caught without a hot pot of Folgers coffee from the morning until the sunset. And she'd go through a pack of Winston's like nobody's <laughs> business. I think that's what she flavored the chicken fried steak with, but I'm not really sure. Anyway, this image of her cooking is just yeah. that ash just kind of yeah. hanging out. Um, so quick piece of caution on the caffeine. We did a Instagram on the because it's in because it's in the press it's everywhere this um, energy drink called Prime and how they're kind of under fire with the FDA yeah take a look at that but bottom line is uh, we, I get into that video a little bit about why caffeine is not very good if you're a kid in fact it's highly um, the American Pediatric Society says no caffeine and it all comes down to possibly development neurologically and stuff like that so just take a look at that just go to our Instagram and take a look at that because um, it's important that we do not let our children take a lot of caffeine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. So which one to take? So if you're going to supplement, you can actually get pure caffeine capsules Mm -hmm. from bulk supplements, Mm -hmm. dirt cheap. Problem is that one tiny little capsule has 120 milligrams and they're so tiny that you can easily take way too much. So don't recommend that. Coffee, I have a recommendation for a, a nice local Dallas coffee that is organic and it's Noble Coyote Coffee Roasters organic coffee. Noble nice. Coyote. Yeah. Nice. Oh. So I, that's how I recommend you get that. And when you do the coffee, you actually get the polyphenols with it. So as far as a supplement, try to supplement with tea or coffee. If you hate that, then be really ginger about taking a caffeine supplement. I mean, that's what no-dose is and all those other things. Yeah, I've never taken no-dose. Mm-hmm. Neither have I. All right, our third fat loss supplement is green tea extract, known as EGCG. All right. A lot of people know about this one. So it comes from tea. So tea is the second most consumed beverage worldwide following water. Hmm. I tea? It, do you yeah. like tea? I never see you drink tea. Um, I, I do tea at night. I, yeah, I do caffeine-free tea at night. Oh, you know, well, are you talking specifically green tea is the second most no, 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 no. I'm just saying tea, in, tea general? in general. Yeah, but it, like, that, like, like brown tea. I never see you drink that. You ever drink that? Not really. Uh-uh. I like it. Have you seen Ted Lasso? No. Okay. He goes to England and he makes fun of their tea. He's oh. like, he wanted a cup of coffee. They brought him tea. And he's like, mm, this tastes just as bad as it looks. <laughs> I feel like we just turned into an episode of, hey, you don't do that, do you? <laughs> um, I bring this up because there are different types of tea. From least to most fermented, including green, yellow, oolong, black, and then poor. I've never heard of poor tea, but poor. So the the least fermented is green. And when you don't ferment it, you have a lot of these this polyphenol called catechins. Correct. So teas that are less fermented have a higher content of catechins. One of the most abundant catechins in this green tea is the EGCG, also known as epigallocatechin gallate. So that's what green tea 
extract is. Mm -hmm. If you remember when we discussed some of the research on chestnut and quebracho, otherwise known as atrantil, Dr. Molino demonstrated that when you digest those, you actually, the second most common thing that is broken off are catechins. Correct. And those get broken down further into EGCG. So keeping that in mind, which is probably why polyphenols can work as a fat burner, which is why theoretically atrantil can do that. All right. So how does it work? It works by inhibiting an enzyme called COMT. Now this enzyme helps to degrade catecholamines. We're back to this, this recurring theme here with, yeah. the, with the neurons. Uh, you know, the catecholamines, dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine, they can be considered a hormone and also a neurotransmitter because they do things all over the body. The catecholamines, once again, help break down the stored fat, and I explained how that takes place, and they help do that. Now, when green tea extract inhibits this enzyme, COMT, it allows these catecholamines to hang around a lot longer and do more of that lipolysis. Interesting. So we're kind of thinking of different angles here on how to do the same thing from a neurologic perspective on how to get rid of fat yeah and so this is all there's and we'll get into it later but there's lots of different fat loss things out there but this is the science-backed stuff that has been clinically shown and there's a mechanism of action was this number three or number four um this was three okay i'll wait till you do number four you know because i'm kind of curious if you're going in the same direction okay yeah we don't want any spoilers going on here (laughs) all right so how do you take EGCG. How do you take green tea extract? Well, you're going to take between 400 to 500 milligrams of EGCG per day. So if you think about this, the amount in a standard cup of green tea, it can vary anywhere from 50 milligrams to 110 milligrams per cup. Okay. So if you don't want to take a supplement, you're going to need to drink between four and eight cups a day to reach the minimum effective green tea dose. Or when I say green tea, the green tea extract, EGCG. Now, you can enhance the effects of EGCG by taking it with caffeine. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But only if you are not a regular caffeine user, once again, because there's going to be caffeine in green tea if you're drinking green tea. The extract itself doesn't have any, but you can enhance the effect of the extract by taking some caffeine. Wow. I kinda, I'm, I'm worried that there's a lot of stimulating things and if people take it all then they're just going to be bouncing off the walls like Lori did that day (laughs) all right uh one interesting thing there was a study that actually showed that if you consistently take egcg with caffeine that fat burning boost you get from pairing them will actually diminish over time makes sense Oh, because you just adjust and you, Your body just adjusts. So you might want to take some supplement holidays if yeah. you're doing this, if you're doing it strictly for weight loss. Makes sense. So went to Consumer Labs. What is the best green tea extract with the highest rating? You guess. Me? The, the whole world. The whole world Consumer Labs rated one one particular green tea extract past their, their test with flying colors. I, I have to guess the, the, the name brand? Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yes, H-E-B, you're right. (laughs) The H-E-B green tea extract. Perfect. You nailed it. 
Thank you. Isn't that fascinating, though? It's like, fascinating like they tested that all, these, all these huge brands in the HEB green tea extract. <clears throat> the store brand, work. right? Yeah, HEB brand green nice. tea extract. Uh, that's awesome. I'm loving how Texas is representing yeah. this Heck yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, take four capsules of that. Okay. All right. Number four is something called Yohimbine. Mm. Yohimbine is known as an alkaloid, and it's found in the bark of the African tree Yohimbe. It works as a fat burner by increasing epinephrine in the body, and this is really cool. It also inhibits a regulatory process that fat cells normally use to suppress lipolysis or fat breakdown. Okay. So it's taking the guard away. It's taking the guard away. So if if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I drink coffee and I take green tea and I'm not losing a whole lot of fat. Well, your fat has the ability to go, well, wait a minute, we need fat. Right. So it's got its own mechanisms to, to, to block it. Like a self-preservation mechanism. Like a self-preservation mechanism. Yohimbi uniquely has the ability to take down that guard. Okay. And what they found in studies is that it's actually that that blocker, mm-hmm. making like a karate movie, <laughs> You are. Wax on, wax <laughs> off. That blocker is actually found in higher levels in that stubborn fat, belly fat and love handle. Okay. So studies have shown that this is actually something that can help mobilize that stubborn fat. Really? Mm-hmm. How many studies have shown that? <sighs> Dude, I quit reading at 78,725. You have been busy. I've been super busy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many studies have shown that, but this is, I get a lot of this information from sites like examine.com. Yeah. And of course, Google Scholar, PubMed. So stubborn fat may actually have a self-preservation protection mechanism. And theoretically, yohimbing might be something to help you naturally unlock that. Yes. Okay. So it's the only one that has been shown to actually help in that kind of stubborn fat area. Now you tried it and you said that you had an experience that you could, uh, you could tangibly feel. You kind of hinted at that earlier before we started recording. Before I get into my experience, uh-huh. I do want to say that despite its efficacy, Yohimbine is, uh, should be taken seriously because there are a variety of adverse effects such as elevated heart rate and anxiety. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> when people are trying to study anxiety, they will commonly give people Yohimbine to induce it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds awesome. And so if you are susceptible to anxiety, you probably should stay clear of Yohimbine. Any truth to the rumor of why people would take Yohimbine to solve erectile dysfunction long before we had uh, you know, sildenafil and things like that? So, interesting that you bring that up because when I was looking for Yohimbine, like what supplement would be best uh-huh. for Yohimbine, and you look at Consumer Labs, very there's very few. In fact, there was only one pure Yohimbine product. Mm-hmm. There's bunches of Yohimbine from bark powder. Now, the content of Yohimbine from bark powder can vary greatly, even in batch to batch. So... That seems to be the thing that's in a lot of products. And a lot of these products, because Yohimbine was thought to be a libido enhancer, yeah, it gets put into a bunch of these, I don't know, whatever, like 
libido enhancing, male enhancing, yeah, erectile yeah. dysfunction, Extends. supplement, comp- yeah, supplement, whatever. Like they'll put it with arginine and these different yeah. things and then they put it together, not realizing that you can be putting a couple stimulants together, especially if they're using yohimbine bark and not the um, actual extract of yohimbine. Mm-hmm. So the bark itself would be called yohimbe. Remember when I said it came yeah, from a tree? tree yeah. yeah, so you got to like read this really closely. If it says it's from bark, then you know that you may be running into okay. some, some variabilities. But the, um, so the actual content can vary significantly between these different things. And so when I looked, there was only one that they actually said had the proper amount of yohimbine that was on there. Mm-hmm. So I tried to get that. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find it anywhere. So basically it was unavailable on Amazon, unavailable. I even went to their website and it was unavailable. So it's kind of interesting. So the um, ask, answering your question, it was thought that Yohimbi might have a direct positive effect on libido, but there's not enough research to actually confirm this benefit, which at best appears extremely unreliable and probably dangerous if you're trying to get it for a libido product because they put it with a bunch of other things. Yeah. So that being said, here was my experience. Okay. So in the name of science in this podcast, I ordered um, Yohimbine from Nutricost, which traditionally in Consumer Labs seems to be a brand that consistently passes. Okay. So I took it. I actually got it this week, and I took it, and I took um, two capsules of five, which is 10 milligrams, which according to this should have been like a, like a, a, a good standard dose. Not a good starting dose, I learned. And within about 45 (laughs) minutes, I'm driving to work. My heart rate's going up. And I'm like, wow, this is interesting. This is fun. And then I broke out into just a complete sweat. Like, if we want to call it a thermogenic effect, I was having a thermogenic (laughs) effect. Like, I was working out. And my arms became super sweaty. My hair's getting all matted down. And then I have to go into clinic. And I'm like, oh, man, this is... (laughs) This is... This stuff is active. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then I took it um, the next day before I I went and worked out. Yeah. And so then I added a workout to it. Dude, I just poured sweat. Just absolutely poured sweat. So probably taking that dose was a little much. So my experience was right there that we ended up um, taking in 10 milligrams too much. I'm going to recommend 2.5 milligrams. This Nutricross one starts at 5 milligrams. Okay. So be very careful with this Yohimbine. And, but I'm hopeful that I can get rid of, you know, a little stubborn belly fat that just has always kind of been there ever since, like as long as I can remember. That's interesting though, that that was your, my, it was so tangible for you to, uh, to see that and, and start producing sweat while driving a car just after taking it. Oh, I did it this morning. Yeah. And then I went for a long walk, listened to some podcasts, yeah. came back uh, and showered and then just kept sweating. And so I'm in my underwear and I'm making some eggs uh, to, to take for, you know, we had this long meeting today, so I want to have at least something in my stomach. And I'm standing, I had to put a towel down while I was making eggs. So I'm in my <laughs> underwear. Lloyda comes out and sees me and she's just like, why... Why do you always just sauna and then come back here? And I'm like, I didn't even sauna. sauna. (laughs) I'm just pouring sweat. The motion of making eggs. I'm burning calories. And of course, I know what's going on. And I'm excited. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Let's burn this fat. Yeah, that's right. This ain't sweat. This is fat dripping off, honey. This is fat. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's right. You just basically just uh, pitched an idea for a mobile sauna. That's what you just did. <laughs> right? Heck yeah. I don't even want to know what happens if you take a lot. But this, but this makes sense that there's all these different products out there and a lot of them have been removed from the market because it's, you can tip over. Like you start doing mm. too many things. There's lots of, uh, when I look back at the red line, yeah. the red line has that amount of caffeine. I looked at the label. It's got Yohimbean in it also. Yeah. I don't know how much, but it's, wow. but it's, and oh, it's got okay. a bunch of other things. So they're stacking these oh, different stimulants together. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we already know that when you start combining them, you may have this a synergistic effect. Synergistic effect. Interesting point, though. Uh, so, well, two actually. One, in in the world of supplements, and I'm just going to go back to somebody who's in the news here recently, but long, not that long ago, was on uh, Joe Rogan's show, and that was Peter Hotez, and he was asked if he utilized supplements of a varying degree to enhance his health, and he said no, and basically dismissed it as if they're all ineffective and and do nothing. So clearly. In this particular uh, uh, episode, what we're doing is demonstrating the activation of the sympathetic nervous system can occur from these four uh, supplements driving a loss potentially of stubborn fat, which I think is is fascinating and well documented and and interesting. Right? You could find something and not innocuous. Exactly. That's the other thing. That's exactly right. The other the other thing to observe is what this somewhat mimics and not in a not in a funny way whatsoever but someone who is a long-term meth addict or something else like that is also overstimulating Ooh. the release of these same catecholamines and what do you think of when you think of somebody who's a long-term meth addict they're incredibly skinny they their their fat content is usually so low it's dangerous in, in addition to everything else that they're suffering but Think of that. They're unlocking their ability to even store fat. It's it's reduced. They can't even do it. What's interesting I thought about is that even though caffeine releases these, the body has this ability to downregulate the caffeine response over time pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Because we've been drinking tea since the dawn of time. Sure. And coffee and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so you think that, uh, well, coffee's going to do this. Your body regulates that. But you start throwing these curveballs, and the body can't really just go, whoa, hey, wait a minute. Now I've got this? Yeah. you got one pitcher on the mound. You can catch that, and suddenly you're one catcher, and you've got four pitchers coming at you. It's hard to catch all that. Yeah, exactly. So this is interesting. A lot of this information, uh, there's not, there's, jokingly, there's not tons of human studies on this. I know that uh, there, there are, there is evidence for this kind of thing out there, but, you know, we always would like more studies. We always would like more. But my N of one with the Yohimbian was quite an eye-opener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that story, you just, all you told me this morning is like, I tried Yohimbian, I sweat a lot, I'll tell you about it later. So that's pretty much what I knew before we sat here. Yeah, and I will now. say this, that the between the sweating and the racing heartbeat, I did not have an increase in libido at all, so. No, you didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the first thing that came to mind? Yeah, I was like, if this gets any faster, I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no joke. It didn't last too long, so it was probably a couple hours and, and it was done. It, it didn't get up that high. If you did it while little... you were driving, did it increase your anxiety? Did anybody else... Annoy you while I was very conscious of the increase of anxiety, and the thought of waiting for the anxiety to arrive caused anxiety. So I don't know if it was the Yohimbean or me just going any minute now. You're predicting it? I was predicting the anxiety, yeah. Which I thought was hilarious that that's what they use to induce anxiety in studies. Yeah. So.
So do you have any recommendations on what people should do to uh, to put all this together? Oh, so, well, all right. I feel like we've gotten nerdy enough here. Okay. I think this is a good time for those for those of you who join us on Locals. This is probably a good time to move it over. I've got two more recommendations with completely different mechanisms. Yeah. And then we can get into how to stack these for optimum performance. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we've already gone far enough into the weeds on this. I want to make sure that everybody gets... I don't want to overload the audience, but we do, I mean, where do they go for this? So if you are watching on Locals on our uh, GCP Raw, just stick with us here for just a couple more seconds and we'll get right into the next two supplements and how to do all this together. And if you're watching on Rumble or on YouTube or listening on Spotify or iTunes, just go to gutcheckproject.locals.com. Again, that's gutcheckproject.locals.com. Or if you're watching on Rumble, just Tap that little button down there that says join, and it'll send you straight over where you can hang out with us and see some behind-the-scenes stuff as well as ask us questions, send questions to our future guests, and interact more with the show, plus crazy discounts. Yes, that is true. So one thing about this, this is definitely, I am a perfect example of trying this and having what I would consider a little bit of an adverse reaction. Definitely speak to your doctor before you try any of these outside of coffee, outside of coffee or tea. Outside of coffee. Yeah. Uh, Because you just don't like tea. Yeah, that's right. So I'm not, I'm not advocating that everybody go out and do this, but I got so many questions after that Instagram reel about this particular topic. And I think that it's worth, if you're a healthy adult and you discuss it with your doctor, it's worth looking at some of these and you're already, you're getting great sleep. You're already eating well. You're doing the the foundational stuff of getting some exercise, and it's still maybe a little stubborn to do that. I mean, there's other things. Optimize your hormones and all that other stuff that goes along with it. But definitely, in for the things that we just talked about, I would say the protein, yeah. Definitely make sure you're getting that amount of protein, which for me is a lot because I'm trying to get you know over one gram per pound daily and i actually find it kind of interesting because i i end up making uh like a lot of eggs to take to work things like that so that i i eat that instead of jumping right in yeah and eating whatever the drug rep brings it's something if i've got some some hunger definitely get the protein i think that adding some caffeine is super easy to do you can titrate that up and down with zero issues green tea extract now we're starting to get a little bit more because some people have bad stomach upset from it and so the egcg but we know that that also helps and then a little warning label on your bean definitely warning label that dabble in that i'm very well stimulant adapted so i felt comfortable doing it and had some fun with it and probably going to try and stick with it and see what happens and i'll give my like 60 day eat the same same exercise and see if I can, you know, get rid of this little stubborn fat pads. Easy enough. So if you're watching on Rumble, go ahead and give us a thumbs up. And if you're watching on Raw, Raw starts now. That's a wrap for this episode of The Gut Check Project. And we appreciate you for being a part of it. Be sure to follow us on your favorite platform for podcasts. You can find the GCP on Locals, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, and more. And you can always check out gutcheckproject.com to find all episodes and interact with the show. Tell your friends and family not to wait to get gut checked.